Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. series is the cross, the grave, and the resurrection. Last week I took some time and I talked about that cross, that old rugged cross. And today I will take some time and I will share with you about the grave. In doing so, I believe we need to begin in Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26 and beginning in verse 6. Amen. As you're turning there, again, let me say what an honor it is to have every one of you in the house of the Lord today. What a sweet presence. Anybody feel that sweet presence of the Holy Ghost in this house? Mm. He is here. His presence, His power is here today. Matthew 26, beginning in verse 6. When you have it, just shout, I got it. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, poured it on his head, and as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste for this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor verse 10 Matthew 26 verse 10 when Jesus understood it he said unto them why trouble ye the woman for she hath wrought a good work unto me for ye have the poor always with you but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. She did it for my burial. He goes on to say that whosoever and wheresoever the gospel is preached, Across the whole world, we want to make sure that the story of this woman is told and what she did for me. Somebody say, for my burial. Amen. Today I want to preach to you about the grave. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you and we thank you for your presence. I thank you for this amazing music team, Lord, that led us in worship today and plowed our way through, God, to get us to what we feel in this house. We feel your presence and your power so thick and so rich. And I pray today, Lord, that that would continue on through this message. God, I, I pray today, Lord, that there would be an awakening in this house. I speak it in the name of Jesus. Let it be so and let it be done. Let us not only be hearers of the word, but let us be doers of the word also. And we'll be so careful to give you praise and glory. And someone said in Jesus' name, Amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord one more time? 
as you're seated. Thank you for standing with us. Amen. Last week, just really quick in summary, I wanted to point out some things that we talked about last week, that there was a cross, that there was a a brutal <clears throat> beating, a trial, a uh, humiliation of Jesus. Jesus was humiliated. He was shamed. He was mocked. He was spat upon. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was wounded. Crown of thorns cr- crushed into his head and beaten beyond recognition with sticks and with fists and with whips and The point that I made last week that I really wanted to drive home to you is that he died. I I wanted to leave you with that last week. We we did not try to bring that concept to a culmination uh, because I wanted to leave you with the concept that Jesus died for your sins. I know that sometimes when we preach about the cross, it's very easy for us to forget everything he went through because we try to resolve that concept by preaching about his resurrection And we move quickly into the concept of resurrection and it kind of takes away the pain of the cross for us because we're so excited about the resurrection, we easily forget what just happened to get to this point. And so last week, my my main point was to leave you uh, at the foot of that cross, to leave you standing in the shadow of that cross, to leave you, your heart and your mind and your spirit in that moment looking up at that cross and realizing that my Savior there bled and died for me, that he did suffer the anguish of his body quitting, his heart rupturing, his lungs pushing. He suffered that moment. It it was not an easy death. It was a belabored death. And I, last week I wanted to bring that to your mind and I wanted to kind of leave it there, let it simmer for a while, the concept that your Savior bled and died for you and to give you no reprieve of what would happen next. We move very quickly from cross to resurrection, but today I want to take another moment. I want to take some time today and stay here in this moment because what happens next is very important. It's so important, in fact, that God would, would tell his disciples that when you preach the gospel, I want you to tell the story of this woman who prepared me for my burial. This is for my burial. It was a type and shadow. I will show you later on in the scripture. But Jesus knew that he would suffer the cross. He knew that he would bleed. He knew that he would die. And he also knew that he would be buried, that there would come a moment where he would have to go in the ground. There there would be a time when he would have to be in the darkness. Um, There there are many theological points about what happened in those three days that Jesus laid in the tomb. Um, We we, we have a whole apostolic belief, it's actually in in the Apostles' Creed, that Jesus when he was in, the, in that grave for three days that he went into hell and, and he took the keys, death, hell, and the grave. And, and, and also it's believed that he went to hell and he proclaimed a message to those prisoners who were in hell. 
Um, and it's also believed that he led captive captivity, where uh, we see that in the New Testament as well, that he led captive captivity as he ascended, that those saints ascended with him. Um, no matter how you get to that point, it's really conjecture. The Bible is not very clear on that at all. Um, I, I tend to have my, my own belief system in, in, in this moment, uh, and, and I could be wrong. I could definitely be wrong. That's happened before, and it'll probably happen again, and it might be happening right now. Um, but I, I believe that, you know, Jesus made a comment to the thief on the cross in his death. He said, today you will be with me, where? In paradise. So uh, Jesus is telling us where he's about to go. He, he, he didn't say today you'll be with me in hell, to the day you'll be with me in paradise. Um, so uh, there, there, there's conjecture about what really happened with with. Christ in those three days, and um, I don't think that any of it is 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 wrong to the point of being uh, heresy. Uh, but I do think there's different schools of thoughts on this on these what actually took place in those three days. Uh, my message is not to bring that conjecture today. I uh, for some of you, I uh, I hope I raise curiosity and you go look. That, that's what I wanted. I preach for two things: conviction and curiosity. I would love for you to get curious and go home and open your Bible and say, let me, let me look at this. Because um, that would mean you're reading the Bible and that would be awesome. Um, but you, you can study that out. You could, you could see that in this different theological, and, but literally it's all conjecture. It's no, no clear. It's just, you know, theorizing of what might have happened from different scriptures that may mean this or they may mean, they may mean that. That's not what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about that grave, that, that place hewn out in the stone. It was carved out in the stone. Someone took time to carve out a, an empty space in a stone, uh, carved out a, a, an area in which someone would lie. And then they had a, a stone constructed that would cover the hole that was hewn out. I don't think it was a, a giant hole. I don't, I don't think it was massive. I think it was probably just enough to get in. If you have ever been to Jerusalem, and I've never been, but I've, I've seen pictures of it and videos of it, the, the place where they believe Jesus laid, they don't know for sure, again, conjecture. Uh, the place where they believe Jesus laid to get in it is, is very difficult. You have, to, you have to bow to get in it, which is also very beautiful symbolism of everyone will have to bow uh, to see him in that place. Um, I just, today, I want to point out for you that, that Jesus understood that he would go to the grave. He understood that he would spend time dead. That there would not be a death and an immediate resurrection, but there would be a span of time that he would have to remain dead. There was a, a moment. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a dark room before, uh, but imagine spending three days in a dark room. Um, imagine spending three days uh, in complete darkness, which I don't, again, it's conjecture on what happened here or there. Paradise, he was in paradise. So uh, the spirit of man, you know, the, the spirit that was in him, uh, the spirit of God, because he was God manifest in the flesh. 
but, but that man, that, that, that flesh was in that tomb. That flesh remained in that tomb for three days. When Jesus says in Matthew 26 that she did this in preparation for me, we, we know that, that that oil all throughout the word of God is, is pointed to a concept of praise and worship. And we even sing songs about the oil of praise and the, 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 the frankincense and the myrrh and, and the fragrance of praise that she poured on him. One, one writer will say she poured it on his feet. One writer will say that she poured it on his head. Uh, I don't know which one it was. However, I know there was oil put on him. Whether it was his head or whether it was his feet, this man was covered in oil. And he says, this is in preparation. This is for my burial. He, he, he doesn't say, if, if I could take time to just kind of teach to you a little bit. He, he doesn't say, this is for my crucifixion. And he doesn't say, this is for my resurrection. He says, this is for my burial. We know that the gospel, the gospel consists of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. Amen. Don't, don't, don't be uh, confused today. The good news, the gospel is, has always been, he died, he went to the grave, and he rose again so that you could be saved. This is how we obey that gospel. Repent, which is death. Be baptized, which is burial. I'll show you that in a minute. And receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is the spirit of resurrection. This is the obedience of the gospel, but the gospel is death, burial, and resurrection. And when the oil is poured on him, he doesn't say, this oil is for my crucifixion. I will need this oil to get through the crucifixion. He doesn't say, this oil is for my resurrection. I will need this oil to be raised from the grave. He says, this oil is for my burial. The part of what I'm about to go through that this oil is for. It will not get me through my pain. The oil will not get me through my suffering. It's not for my pain. It's not for my suffering. This oil is for my isolation. I, I come today to tell you that Jesus was isolated from this world for three days. Not only by, by being in a, in a, in a place uh, where the stone was rolled over him, yes, but he was also isolated in death. He was isolated in spirit. He was taken from this world. Your God died for you. A real, legitimate, for real, for real, death. I think that sometimes we, we kind of, uh, you know, because we are how we are, we fantasize this moment too much. That, you know, it was, you know, he really wasn't dead. It was... He was asleep. He was dead. If he wasn't dead, the Bible couldn't say that he died. He was dead. For three days, he laid in that tomb dead. And he did not need oil for the pain. And he did not need oil for the getting up. He needed oil for the laying down. He did not need oil for the whip and for the crown. He did not need oil for the mockery. He did not need oil for the slapping. 
He did not need oil for the lies and the treachery. He did not need oil for the betrayal. He needed oil for the isolation. She did this for my burial. I need oil for my burial. I don't need oil for, from now to then. And I don't need oil after then. I need oil for when they close the door on me. Because when I can't see anything else, I need oil. When I can't get to anybody and nobody can get to me, I need oil. When I can't see where I'm going and when where I'm going can't see me, I need something that's fragrant in my life. Can I, can I tell you today that there are times in your life when you will suffer and there are times in your life when you will win and you'll be on the mountaintop. And those aren't really the times that we need a good worship and a good praise. But there are times when we will go into isolation and nobody knows what we're going through and nobody sees what we're hap what's happening. And we feel like we are living in the grave on the earth. Can I tell you, it's for those moments that we need the oil the most. It is for the moments when there is darkness all around us and we can't see our way out. That's when we need the oil the most. It's when we have been put in isolation and no one knows our story. That's when we need the oil the most. When I can't see my way, I still smell the fragrance of an almighty God. Can I tell you today, if you came into this house and you feel like you're in the grave, can I tell you what you need? You need the oil and the fragrance of worship because no stone, no tomb, no grave, no darkness, no isolation, no setting apart can stop the worship. She worshiped him with her past. She worshiped him with what she poured out on him. She worshiped him with her pain. She worshiped him with her suffering. And that is what got him through. It was her testimony of worship that got him through the darkest of nights. Three days. Three days. It was that. That's what he needed. You say, well, that's just so little. It's just so little. This happened over a week before his death. Are you telling me that the oil stayed on him for over a week? Yes. Yes, it did. But can I tell you that there was more oil? What if I told you that Jesus was buried with a hundred pounds of oil? Has anybody ever seen that, that Jesus was buried with 100 pounds of oil? Anybody in the room, would you raise your hand if you say, yeah, I know that. Jesus was buried with 100 pounds of oil. Nobody. Why? Why does nobody know this? Why? Why does nobody know that it took 100 pounds of oil, 100 pounds of, of, of spices, 100 pounds? It took 100 pounds to be put in his tomb. I'll show it to you. In the book of John, chapter 19, beginning in verse 38, I'm going to arouse either conviction or curiosity. John 19, beginning in verse 38, and after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. So let me lay, lay a little bit of teaching foundation here today. So, so this is the day before Passover. Jesus dies the day before Passover. They can't do nothing on Passover. They don't want to leave Jesus hanging on the cross. On, on the day of Passover, they can't touch him. 
It's illegal. Can't touch it. It's against the law. So if we don't deal with Jesus' body today, the day that he died, we don't, if we don't deal with him today, we can't do anything about it this weekend. We got to deal with this today. So they take Jesus down the day of. Joseph of Arimathea, which is a providence of Palestine. If you, if you look in your Bible, you understand that Arimathea is a, is a providence of Palestine. He has a sepulcher that he built himself in Jerusalem. Because he knows, listen, when I die, don't bury me in Palestine. Bury me in Jerusalem. That's a whole other message. So he, Pilate gave him Jesus. And he took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus. Y'all remember Nicodemus? Came to Jesus by night. Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes. Some of y'all using aloe right now. Put some aloe on this morning. He brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes about a hundred pound weight. Now, this is not even the most important part. Hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes. That's a lot of lotion. That's a whole lot of lotion. You cannot get that past TSA. That's a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes. Watch verse 40. Then they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothing with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. So, so watch this. Not only are they using a hundred pounds of spices to cover his body in as they lay him to rest, they're doing it in the way that Jews bury people. So here's what you have to know, is that if, it's, if this is a Jewish manner, and Nicodemus and Joseph, who are both leaders in the Jewish community, they're both leaders in the Jewish community, they're doing this exactly like the Jews would have done it. That means the body has to be completely washed, all foreign objects removed. Just, just look it up, Google it. Just Google it. Go home and check it out. See the painstaking concepts that this took for them to actually bury Jesus in the way, in the Jewish manner. He was buried correctly. They did not just throw him in a, in a hole and roll a stone over him. They took him and they washed him. The man who sat with him by night and heard him say to him, unless you be born again of the water and of the spirit, that man washed the blood out of his hair. Oh, see, it's coming alive. It's coming alive. This is, this is all for his burial. There's no preparation for his suffering. There's no preparation for his resurrection. But for his burial, we take our time. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, if you can see it like I, like I see it right now in my mind. They, 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 they have to go through his body. They, they have to dig out the thorns in his head. Because he can be buried with no foreign objects in him. Maybe pulling out pieces of bone, fragments from the cat of nine tails from his back. Washing off all blood. Washing off all the blood. If you've ever seen about the shroud of Jesus, anybody, 
heard anything about the shroud of Jesus is a big, you know, archaeological thing. This, this right here will take away all concepts that that's really the shroud because that shroud is covered in blood. And if they buried him in the manner that the Jews would bury, they washed every bit of blood off of him. They cleaned him impeccably. They washed his hair. They washed his feet. They dug out the, they dug out the blood and the dirt between his fingernails. They lathered him with spices. A hundred pounds. Some of y'all just use a dollop today, and I can smell you from here. A little dab of do you. And listen, they're not making that stuff today like they made it back then. That stuff today, that's cheap stuff. I know it's dove, but it's still cheap. I know you buy that fancy stuff, but it's still cheap compared to what they did back then. This was pure oil. This was pure aloe. This had been, this 100 pounds of it, 100 pounds of it, if you even understand it, this, is, this could have been in our day millions of dollars, millions of dollars of oil, millions of dollars of spices that they lathered his, after he was clean, they lathered him with this oil. Preparing his body, cleaning him, washing off all the blood, removing every four. Look at the preparation to be buried. Look at the time it takes to be buried. No time for suffering. No time for resurrection. No preparation for that. This is just to be buried. Why are we taking all this time to be buried? Why? Why such care? Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, these were very important men. No doubt they had, no doubt they had servants that helped them do this. These were very rich and very important men. The Bible will tell us in numerous places that these men were very important. The Bible says they took him to the garden, the garden which had a new sepulcher. It was a garden right there where he was crucified. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, a new cave, a new tomb where no man had ever laid. And they laid Jesus there because of the Jews' preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. It was just close by. They laid him in a borrowed tomb. It was close by. It was close enough to get it done today. And they took time and they washed Jesus and they cleaned him if it was the way the Jews buried. They took time. They prepared him, prepared him for his sleep. They prepared him for his rest. They prepared him because in their minds, they prepared him because in their minds, this is, this is why if you, if you look up Jewish burials, this is why they prepared him this way so that if they ever had to open the tomb, it wouldn't stink. If something was to happen and the tomb would ever need to be opened to have his body exhumed in any kind of way or fashion, it, the, the, the spices would overwhelm the smell of the decaying body. And it was, it, it was known, it was known that after the third day, after the third day, that the smell of the decaying body would overwhelm the smell of the ointment. This is why they told Jesus, don't roll away the stone for Lazarus because it's been four days now. 
and his decaying body smells worse than the oil. It was an attempt, it was an attempt to cover up the smell of the deadness, an attempt to cover up the smell of the decaying body. It was painstaking, it took time, it was effort, it was energy. These men and their most, most likely their servants went through this moment and they put more oil on him even though she had already put oil on him. He said, this is for my burial, but they added to it because you need oil to be buried. There is a preparation for burial. That grave, that grave where he laid was full of the aroma of myrrh. Full of the aroma of the spices and the aloes. But in his death, he was surrounded by the fragrance of life. In his death, he was surrounded by the fragrance of worship. Can I tell you in this house today that I don't care what you are going through, there is a balm in Gilead. I don't care what you're facing today. There is a balm in Gilead. There is an oil for that. There is a salve for that. There is a spice for that. I don't care how dead your situation is. God says, I have a fragrance. I have a fragrance for you that can bring life. That can bring it is the fragrance and it is the oil of worship. Me and you, we don't really see worship in the grave. We see worship in the in the suffering. And yes, we see worship in his resurrection. But can I tell you, in his death, there was still a fragrance. There was still something there. There was still something moving. This was a preparation. It was a cleansing. It was a washing. Look at your neighbor and tell him it was a cleansing. Uh, it was a washing. There was an oil in there. That oil would wipe away the smell of death. That oil would wipe away the smell of decay. It was a refreshing. You walked in, it smelled brand new. Even though it was a grave, it smelled brand new because there was an oil. It was a cleansing. It was a washing. Jesus was not buried dirty. He was buried clean when they rolled that stone away. In his death, in that tomb, he was clean. He was perfected. They washed every bit of him because that's why the Bible tells us in Romans 6 and verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism. There's something in the water, folks. We are buried with him in baptism, even into death. Like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. When that grave opened up on Sunday morning and Jesus stepped out, he smelled like a hundred pounds of myrrh. He smelled like a hundred pounds of spices because when you're buried with him, there's an oil, there's a cleansing, there's a washing. 
This is why Jesus said, you tell everybody that'll listen, those that believe and are baptized shall be saved because there's an oil for the baptism. There's an oil for the baptism. There's a fragrance. There's a newness. It covers up everything dead. It covers up everything decaying. It covers up everything buried. I don't care how big the stone is. That life moved in front of you. It doesn't The fragrance of the tomb will be the joy of the morning. Ah, there's a fragrance on the risen. I said there's a fragrance on the risen. Where did you get that fragrance from? I got it from the tomb. Where did you get that fragrance from? I got it from the burial. There's a fragrance on the redeemed. I don't look like everybody else. I don't talk like everybody because there's a fragrance on the redeemed. Where did you get that anointing from? Where did you get that joy? I got it from the tomb. In the tomb. She did it for my burial. She did it for my burial. A hundred pounds, a hundred pounds, a hundred pounds, a hundred pounds. When he got up, he got up smelling good. He didn't smell like an old, dank, dirty, moldy tomb. He smelled like he was getting ready to go to a party. He was clean. <laughs> days before, actually if you do the math, about 10 days before, about 10 days before he told Thomas, put your hand right here. Joseph and Nicodemus had already been there. Took out bone fragments. They took out dirt and washed it with water. Putting in salve. Cleaning washing and preparing there is a cleansing in the tomb oh, that's why you look at some of us today and we look so good but people knew me back in the day People that knew me back in the day, they saw me back in the day. They saw me in my suffering. They saw me in my woundedness. They saw me in my brokenness. And now they see me, they say, man, you look so good. There's something different about you. Oh, yeah, you don't know, but I went down in the water. And the water was a little cold. It chilled my natural body, but it didn't disturb my soul. Something happened in the water. Something happened in that tomb. I was cleansed. I was washed. All foreign objects were removed. It was taken off of me. God removed it. He removed the pain of my addiction. He removed the pain of my abuse. He removed the pain of my shame. He removed the foreign objects that didn't belong in me. He took out the dirt. He took out the grime. He took out the suffering and he washed me white. He washed me white. He washed me white as snow. You ought to have somebody, have five somebody tell them Jesus didn't get buried dirty. No, he was cleansed. He was washed. He was prepared. He was set aside. 
he was dirty on that tree and that dirt was to take on the dirt that I had and the pain that I had and the blood that I had and the wounds that I had my chastisement was upon him my wounds were upon him my healing was upon him but in the tomb he was cleansed he was washed he was prepared because he knew I'm getting up I come to tell somebody in this house today I don't know what you walked in here with. There's a great getting up morning. And that day could be today. For today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. There's a hundred pounds of spices with your name on it. There's a hundred pounds waiting on you. There's 100 pounds waiting on you. I'm almost finished. He's at 100 pounds of joy to replace your sadness. He's at 100 pounds of praise to replace your mourning. He's at 100 pounds of beauty to replace everything you lost. He said, I'll give you every year that the canker worm took from you. I'll give you 10 in the place of every year that he took there is a balm in Gilead. There is a balm in Gilead. It's soothing for your soul. It'll cover up all the dirt. Some of y'all sitting here today, you're so dirty. I'm not trying to talk about you. I'm just, I'm just telling you, you're so dirty. Every one of us sitting in this room today, we either are, we were, or we're about to be dirty. Every one of us, we're covered in sin, covered in shame. The wounds of this world perforate our body. We'll never get rid of the scars, but I got rid of the dirt. I'll never get rid of the scars of my past, but they've been cleaned. You want to see them? You want to see my scars? They've been cleaned. They've been washed. There's no infection. They, they've been cleaned. Listen, yes, I was. I was an addict, but I've been cleaned. I was broken, but it put me back together. I was wounded, but it healed me. I was. Can I show you how he washed me? Can I show you how he cleansed me? Can I show you the oil on my life? There's oil on my life. There's oil on my life. There's oil on my life. There's oil on me. Remain standing. Remain standing. Remain standing. I'm, I'm closing. That fragrance is raising in this house. That's why every time you see somebody raising their hands and worshiping up front, and somebody says, Why are they doing that? Why are you acting that way? You ought to, you ought to say, you, We don't need to do all that. You sound like the disciples. That's what you sound like. But I can hear Jesus saying, Oh, no, 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 no. They're doing this for my burial. This, this is worship. This is worship because they know, they know what it was like before I found them. The oil, of, the oil of my past broken on his feet. The oil of my past broken on his head. Here's my oil. I pour my oil on him. The oil he gave to me, I pour it back on him. That's why Paul said, Paul said, we should not glory in ourselves, but we should glory in the power of the cross. Pour that oil back. Lord, the, the oil that you put on me, I pour it back on you. The oil you gave me, I pour it back on you. I glory in nothing. I don't stand here today in my own power and my own ability. I stand here today because I was buried with him in baptism.
when I went down in that water, something happened. Uh, I know it was just a, just a couple Sundays ago, but when my friend Chad come up out of that water, oh yeah, all the hell got mad. Just like they got mad the day that Jesus rode that stone away and he walked out of that tomb, they, all the hell got mad because there was an oil on him. He lifted his hands, he said, God is real. Why? There's an oil. There's a drip of heaven. Every one of us in this room have an alabaster box to break on his feet, to break on his head, to pour on him. Oh, my worship. And listen, there is no song like the song of the redeemed. We used to sing that old song, Ain't Nobody Got a Right like the children of the Lord who've seen the light, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There's nothing like our praise. There's nothing like our praise. The trees lift their branches. The valleys echo His praise. The seas roar in continual worship of Him. The mountains creak and moan His name. There's something about when a saint of God who knows what it's like to be in a tomb pours that oil back out. There's something about my praise that he loves. He loves it. And the world may look at it and say, well, these folks are crazy. It's fine. That's what the disciples said when she poured the oil on him. This woman's crazy. We could have we used that. We could have gave that away. We could have helped somebody. He said, wait. You always got that. You could always do that. You should have been doing that already. I'm here now. Pour it out on me. Pour it out on me. Pour your love on me. Pour your worship on me. Mary knew where she brought him from. That all, that all represented every stone that fell the day that she was caught in adultery. That oil represented his finger writing in the, in the dirt on the temple floor. What, what, we'll never know. She knew what he wrote. And when he lifted his head, all of her accusers were gone. And he said, who doth accuse you? And she said, nobody. That oil represented a word from God manifesting the flesh that said, go, go, sin no more. Go. It wasn't just, it wasn't just regular old, regular old oil. This oil cost her. Cost. And she poured it. She was redeemed by him. And that oil was the oil of the redeemed. And there is the oil of the redeemed in this house today. There's some folks in here today, you know exactly where you came from. God saw fit to bring you out. Won't you pour that oil on him today? Uh, you know what you should have, but God didn't let you get it because he's not fair. He's just. And there's a difference. 
You know where you should be, but grace and mercy have been following you. <laughs> you should have been shot in the back 10, 20, 30 times, but grace and mercy have been following you all the days of your life. And you got some oil in you today. There's some oil in you, 100 pounds. You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And there's 100 pounds of oil in you. Pour it out on him. Let it flow back onto him today like she poured it back onto him. He said, this represents my burial. This is, that's what this is. Don't, 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 don't laugh at her. Don't, don't judge her. Don't, don't laugh at him. Don't touch him. He's just been redeemed. Don't laugh at the tears that flow from his very manly face and think that he's weak. He's just redeemed. Don't laugh at her when she uncontrollably weeps in his presence. She's not sensitive. She's redeemed. Don't be confused when the preacher don't get to preach some Sundays because the Lord comes in and just overwhelms us with his presence. It's just because we've been redeemed. There's an oil that flows from redeemed people. Where'd you get that oil from, sir? I got it from the grave. <laughs> Where'd you get that worship from? I got it when he changed me. He brought me out. He represents everything I should be. He reached into my life and he pulled out every foreign object. He washed the blood out of my hair. He removed the dirt from my eyes. He, he, he even got down and got the dirt from my fingernails and washed my hands and washed my feet and gave me a clean heart and re he renewed a right spirit in me and oh this ain't just any old worship but this is the oil of my praise this is the oil of my praise I pray this word was an encouragement to you today thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast if you have not yet please take a moment and leave us a quick review God bless and have a great rest of your day.